Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hey y'all and welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. Today I have my friend Kayla Bitten on with me who is a student midwife and also the founder of the Postpartum Clinic, which we will talk about at the end of the episode, um, but it is a breastfeeding clinic, a postpartum support center in Birmingham, Alabama, which... Roll Tide. You guys know I love Alabama. I'm from down there. We also love Dr. Stephanie Mitchell, who is the founder of the Birth Sanctuary. A lot of cool things happening in Alabama to help get people in Alabama in the South, kind of, because people will drive for this kind of support because it's so not a thing. Alabama, your stuff is coming, I promise. Kayla, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. I am so stoked for this conversation. So I would love to, before we talk about the postpartum clinic, because I want to end there on a happy note. I think a lot of people are probably unaware of um, breastfeeding history. I think a lot of people just think it's something we've all done for like a million years and it is just like an option of feeding your baby. And while that's true, I mean, uh, at least on, on our podcast, we kind of believe and we talk about that everybody does have the option. What I think a lot of people miss out on is the history of how it's also intertwined with slavery and abuse and coercion and trauma. And then we look at the American breastfeeding culture and we say, ah, that's how we got to where we are. Um, and I think a lot of people don't know or recognize that there's a huge gap in care, in support, in desire, in access to even the tools and the equipment that you need to breastfeed between white parents and Black and Latino parents here in America, at least. Um, and I think people don't know that. They don't recognize it. And the people who do want to help and fix it, we don't know how. Um, So can we start with what is the basic history of breastfeeding in America? I always say in order to know where we need to go, we need to know where we came from. And so when it comes to lactation specifically, um, I teach a lot about the history of of lactation and how we know things um, or we should know things such as, you know, the enslaved people 
who were forced to lactate um, or body feed and breastfeed the children of the slave masters. Um, and a lot of times didn't have enough milk um, or energy or anything for their own babies. And so we will be left to give goat's milk or cow's milk. And that's kind of where that came from. But when talking about that, I also talk about how not only do we have this like ingrained thing, it's almost like ancestral, like it's in our DNA now because of the history that we've been through, the abusive, like really gross history um, within this country. But I talk a lot about too, you have to then take that and then remember the marketing and the strategies and a lot of the things that have happened and continue to happen when it comes to commercializing things and make um, trying to make it accessible. But a lot of times it was a lot of exploitation. So for instance, um, I talk about Nestle, for instance, we all know who Nestle is. Nestle has like, is, is a company in like 80 different countries and like they're huge, right? But there was this huge part where they would specifically go to Africa um, or specific parts of Asia, um, these different areas and really market their, um, their formula to folks of color and their babies and how that left a huge, ridiculous impact. And it's a very gross history um, when it comes to that. But I talk about, yeah, like the enslavement and all the things that we have to go through. Um, it was a class thing for, um, you know, white folks essentially not to be seen lactating or breastfeeding their own kids so we were forced to do it then we come out of that because slavery is supposed to be abolished but now we are a slave to consumerism and so now you see in the commercials how they're again like this exploitative piece this huge piece that's connected to it and then you learn the history of how they were marketed in certain neighborhoods in america formula was so the history is very very long and it still continues to this day we still see a ridiculous amount of marketing um um, that is really deeply rooted in exploitating Blackness, essentially. Um, and so it makes it very complicated for Black folks and folks of color as a whole to really tap into something that has always, and like you said, has always and definitely is what we've been doing since the dawn of time. So. So explain to us. <clears throat> So explain to us what was the point of Nestle going into the Black and Asian countries in order to exploit them? What did Nestle gain? What was their marketing technique? What were they selling these parents who I assume instead of needing Nestle, they needed support? from their village and their community and they needed sleep support and they needed the wisdom that was passed down from generation, not from big corporations. What did they gain? Money. They gained money. They gained the, the fact that folks can say, oh, I use Nestle. So the things that they passed out, they looked like little flyers um, that they passed out. It had a picture of a, a little black baby on it and, and, you know, sign up here to come get your formula or do this or do that. You can get formula from here. Um, it's better than mother's milk, essentially, literally. Um, and so then they did the, the research. They noticed that there was this like ridiculous amount um, of babies that were dying, but ridiculous percentage of like malnutrition, like all these things. And notice that it's because within these specific areas, 
Nestle was mar- um, targeting them to market the formula. And so it created a huge, um, there was a huge, um, I don't want to say huge, but it did create, because it wasn't huge enough, but it did create this um, lawsuit, essentially, is what I guess you can call it, where they they went in depth. And it's uh, it's accessible on the, on the internet, um, where you can go to and you can read through this brief, essentially, like pages and pages and pages long, just detailing the the harm that you know Nestle had caused, detailing how they would market, detailing the photos of the actual um, flyers that they would send out. Why do you have this little black baby on here? Like, why do you? Why did you do that? So, yeah, what did they gain? Money. They gained control um, and a monopoly over the um, over healthcare, essentially. But a monopoly over no, don't do this. Give you, give us your money, give us your resources, so that we can give you this. And again, Nestle has. It's in like 80 different um, countries, 80 different locations, like huge situations. So that's what they gain over the years, if you think about it. And they are. They are everywhere. The brands that you don't even know are owned by Nestle are owned by Nestle. I remember when I first found out what kind of company they were and the just the corruption from from everything from their marketing to the labor that they use the way that they pay people to the way that they promote within the company to the places that they then put their money it's all anyway when I first learned that I went down the rabbit hole of like well I'm gonna get Nestle out of my home and then I was like I'm Gonna be living in a cardboard box with a string if I do that. So, you know, they are, they have their hands in everything. Okay, so I'd like to go back to the the topic of black slaves having to feed their white masters children two things I'd like to hit on. It actually caused a lot of black infant deaths. Um, because of that. Is that correct? Right. Okay. And then it's odd to me, not so much odd, I suppose, but it is ironic how it went from uh, a thing of wealth and status that you don't breastfeed your kids to now the opposite. It's uh, if you have access and money and insurance to get reimbursed and the good lactation counselor down the street, rather than not having one for two hours, that now is a thing of status and wealth and not breastfeeding your children is the exact opposite. Irony, irony, ironic. What, what is happening here? See, see now that's equity, I think. Um, you know, we talk about equality, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So yeah, now we're in the age where everything's equal. If I'm black, I can drink from the same water fountain. If you drink from the water fountain, cause you're white, like no one gives a shit about equality. It's about equity. And so you notice that there's that flip, right? And so over the, <clears throat> over the, the decades, it did go from, you know, white folks not wanting to be seen. They, they wouldn't be caught dead latching their own kid. Um, they would get pregnant alongside the enslaved person so that the enslaved person who's already producing, you know, this prolactin and all this milk can then give it over to their kid versus their own. So it was a whole thing. It was a whole process. It was a literal, there's a, there was a science to it. But then, uh, yeah, like over the decades and has, as we come into present day, now that that coin is flipped. And so again, that's why I said it's kind of like embedded um, because now Black folks are like, no, I'm not, it's it's a class thing. 
if you are able to purchase formula. Um, it's declassé if you happen to latch your kid. So the, 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 yeah, the coin has flipped and now that's the thing. And so now that's a white person thing to do within our community. You know, there's a lot of things that we go through mentally within our community, but it is a thing that we attach. That's a white thing to do. If you have the opportunity and the privilege to latch your kid, that's a white thing to do because then you have to think about the other obstacles. And again, this is equity because you have to think about the other obstacles. I'm a working class black chick in Alabama. Like I'm not about to latch my kid or come home for my 15 minute if I even get that because I need to latch or because I need to pump or I'm a a working class black chick in Alabama, and I'm not going to tell my um, employer that I need to pump on my 15 or need that extra 15, though it's part of my workplace safety oh, here. It's like, supposed to be embedded in that thing. I'm not going to tell them that because I'm going to, you know, I'm scared I'm going to risk my job or they're going to tell me, well, you need to do that on your break. Huh? I need to eat, balance, hold the pump go use the restroom and then get back on the floor because a lot of us, again, who are Black, are working in spaces where we have to be on our feet. Supposed to get back on my feet and do all the Like, what do you mean? So it comes, that comes into play as well. So it's a huge equity thing when you think about it. We used to think it was equality. Well, we have the right to do this as much as we do. Um, but equity rise, there are a lot of things that are obstacles. Mental health is, is an equity thing for us because of all the things that have been embedded. So yeah wouldn't be caught dead and now it's like oh i have my baby view <laughs> and i can do this and i can do that and i have the time and the privilege and all these things and we're just like no just buy that if you don't buy that baby some formula and call it a day so you can get back to work and you can do this and you don't have to be attached um to your kids so much and blah 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 like now that's has seemed to take it's a top tier thing to do to be able to say, I need to go buy some formula. It's right up there with diapers. I can go buy diapers and formula whenever I want to. So. So how do we fix this? Places like the postpartum clinic, right? How do we actually close this gap and bring that equity, not equality. We all have the equality, right? It's there, but that equity how do we actually close the gap where everyone has equitable access to postpartum support to mental health support to breastfeeding support to formula support choose whatever you want we just don't want you to choose it because it, generations above you have told you that's what you need to do or that's what you have to do or that that is part of your role in the community we want you to choose it because it's what is best for you that and in the morning you're like wow this choice makes me feel comfortable and at night you will go to sleep and you're like wow this choice makes me feel comfortable that's why we want you to choose what you choose so how do we bring that equitable care to people to everyone to bring equitable care when it comes to lactation you're going to have to again understand what we've been to know where we need to go if we don't understand how things have been um, marketed to us or to the communities if we don't understand the history so the history of why it's so complicated then we're never going to create any type of equitable change period point blank you can't understand why it's a little harder for folks of color or Black people specifically um, when it comes to lactation and breastfeeding and body feeding um, and why that's so complicated and why it's so hard and why sometimes we don't even understand if you don't understand where it came from, where we came from, why we feel this way. 
Um, so to create that, you have to understand that. And then also you have to understand that equity means doing what you need to do and doing what needs to be done in order to meet the needs of the specific group of people, not where you want them to be. So that's prioritizing the uninsured. So that's prioritizing access. What does accessibility look like um, within certain communities? Um, that's prioritizing getting more Black IBCLCs who understand the struggle, the history, and the pain. It means providing, like you said, mental health support throughout that process as well. It means understanding the postpartum period for Black folks specifically, and then go specifically to other people as well. Like that's what that means. And that's how the only way it's going to change. So when I created the postpartum clinic, it was at the height of like the pandemic, literally when we first went into lockdown and I was running a group in North Alabama called Coloring Between Alliance Mothers, Mothers of Color Breastfeeding Support. And the panic that that just happened and that just started to open up because they could not get access to any lactation counselor. They could not get access to anyone to help them understand postpartum, let alone help navigate postpartum. And so I created it and I was like, we're going to do this thing. And somehow, child, it just, it, it happened. But <laughs> um, when I created it, I created it for that purpose, like to see that panic and folks crying and like all the things that this can of worms that opened up because there was just a lack of access um, that was equitable really confused the crap out of me. Um, I'm like, all this access in this industrial city, I call it Alabama or Birmingham specifically, industrial city because it's mostly schools, hospitals, all these things. And there not be enough support. Help me help you to understand. <laughs> so um, when I created the postpartum clinic, it was definitely that. And so we ended up being able to help folks all over because of course it had to be virtual. But yeah, that's how we we did it. We prioritized parenting and mental health services to go along with lactation support, to go along with postpartum support. We prioritize folks who are uninsured. But so what can we do who are uninsured? But they got a little money in their pocket. They could possibly put toward their, their health care when it comes to postpartum period. Let's create a membership. And so you have 12 months worth of, of appointments and um, specific to postpartum and lactation and education when it comes to newborn care, health and wellness and parenting and mental health. Like, let's do all these things and then see what happens. And then it's been a success so far. <laughs> but that's how I'm making equitable change in Alabama. Because unfortunately, if I wanna see change for my folks, I have to create it. It can't fit the mold that has already been created within this westernized society. I gotta cut it out myself and say, you're gonna accept this, but it's work, so. <laughs> It has worked. I have loved watching you grow this thing. Um, and you are taking donations to help reach other people and to spread the awareness and also offset some of the cost of people who don't have insurance but really could use the support. Where can people donate to you if they are like, wow, I need to give to this organization because that just touched my heart? Our GoFundMe gofundme.com slash first black owned lactation clinic because it is um but you can go there um and you can just also just go to instagram.com slash um the postpartum clinic and all the links are there that is awesome and congratulations on that okay i would be remiss if i didn't go back and touch on this because i haven't been able to get it out of my brain since we just chatted about it but 
I just would love to hear you confirm that if you are a black and brown parent, you should be prioritizing getting care from black and brown providers because you and your baby will fare better. Um, the, the science, the data, it backs it up. It shows that if you can get care, health care from people who look like you and understand your history specifically, you will have better results and outcomes for both you and your baby. Is that correct? That is definitely correct. Definitely yeah. correct. Um, there's, we make up what? Maybe <clears throat> last time I checked, it was 1%, but it might be like three now or something like that um, of black IBCLCs. Um, even CLCs is not a lot of black ones. So yeah, it's been proven like the, having a provider who A, looks like you, B, understands your skin tone, your skin type, um, understands your history, how, how complicated it can be, understand how all of it is connected to mental health. Like having a provider that understands that definitely has proven to be an, an immeasurable amount of, of support and success and care when it comes to the wellness industry and folks. So I always, now it varies, of course, everyone specifically, but for the most part, yeah. Um, when your provider is a provider of color or who looks like you, you immediately feel more comfortable. We go into fight or flight a lot of times as Black folks, as women um, identify folks specifically too, but Black folks, um, we go into fight or flight when we go into these these spaces of um, wellness practitioners, so OBs, midwives, even nurses, whomever, and it's like a PTSD thing. Um, and it's like, um, who was I listening to? I was listening to someone and I was like, oh, you're, you, you're damn right. I think it was Stephanie Tillman, so the feminist midwife. And I think it was her. And she mentioned, folks don't realize that we, we it's like we get tensed up when we go into these spaces of folks who don't look like us, specifically when it comes to like hospital or doctor settings. And also it creates this thing where we feel like it's a power struggle um, or like, what is it, like a, a authority figure. And she compared it to like the police and black folks. So the hospital and black folks, she compared it to that. And I was like, that's a great, great, great comparison because it is, we go in there, we feel like we have to go, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Whatever you tell us, we're gonna take it because you don't look like this, look like us. We immediately feel threatened. Uh, we immediately feel like you, you already are not gonna understand me, understand what I go through, understand what I continue to go through as a black person trying to navigate lactation and postpartum and I'm bleeding all over the place. So yeah, when your provider is a provider of color or your provider is black, when you're a black person, it definitely gives you this amazing amount of security um, and you immediately feel safe. Like I'm going to be heard. This person knows what's happening. If I tell them I have, um, I feel like I have some type of engorgement, they're not going to look and say, oh, no, you don't, because that happens too. a lot of folks not knowing how to see diseases or see engorgement or all these types of things on darker skin it, it definitely is and like you said look at the data because a lot of folks like evidence-based stuff so look at the data it'll tell you <laughs> it will it will back it all up two people that came to mind while we were talking about that erica campbell is um at the milk manual on instagram she's another black ibclc you guys she's awesome um she if, if she's a wealth of knowledge so if you need somebody check her out she's down in texas um and then 
So Joe B, I actually don't know his last name, but he's a medical student who has absolutely changed the playing field. And he talks about how to diagnose and see and treat and recognize different diseases and pathologies on black and brown skin because it looks different than white skin. All right, Kayla, thank you so much for being here with me today. Uh, this conversation has turned into more than I could ever imagine. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. I think this is a piece of lactation that people just don't talk about. And I think partly they don't talk about it because they don't know about it. And, you know, that's the name of the game here is let's talk about the hard things so that we can actually fix the problems that we're seeing. Um, we appreciate you so much being here. If anybody is interested in following us on Instagram, it is at Tranquility by Hehe. If you're looking to join the Birth Lounge, that's our membership for new and expecting parents. You can do that at thebirthlounge.com. And then below in the show notes, we will link everything that you need to get a hold of Kayla to follow her on Instagram and to donate to the postpartum clinic or to grab services from the postpartum clinic if that is something that you need. All right, guys, we will see you next time on the Birth Lounge podcast. Until then, bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.